morning. Let's stand together as Philip DeYoung comes to read our passage of Scripture this morning. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue can acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. This is the word of the Lord from Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. Amen. Thanks, Philip. You may be seated. Appreciate you reading our call to worship this morning. Uh, Philip DeYoung is a teacher in our fit department. Him and his wife, Julie, have two boys. And so if you haven't met them yet, make sure and get a chance to go say hello to them. Uh, such a great family. And his name's Philip. So as you know, in our church, we have three Phillips on staff. So if you're a Philip, then we're glad you're here. We'll probably put you to work at some point. So uh, Philip's also a, a fellow Southeastern student like myself working on a Ph.D., you know, why not, right? You know, you have a family and a job, why not work on a, a PhD? You know, sure. So, uh, Philip, I just enjoy his friendship and getting to know him and his family, so thanks for helping us out this morning. Well, our pastor, uh, as, as was mentioned on Zach, the associate pastor, so kind of the second string guy that gets to hop in there from time to time, so glad I get to bring the word this morning. But exciting is uh, our pastor and our uh, team from our church are actually in Israel today. And I was, it finally just kind of clicked. I thought, what would it be like to be in Israel on Palm Sunday? And he said, you know what? He sent a text this morning just letting us know he was praying for us. And he said, you know, what, a, what an amazing thing to be in Caesarea Philippi, where Peter confessed that Jesus is Lord and Messiah. And I thought, yeah, that, that would be amazing to be there. And so I just have to hear about it from a text from halfway around the world. So... Anyway, we continue to pray for them. It, it looks like they're having a great trip, and I'm so thankful they're, all, they're doing well. Uh, do look forward to having them back with us uh, toward the end of this week. But let's go ahead and pray together as we prepare for this time uh, spent together in God's Word. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this opportunity to come together and just take a moment to study and to look at this uh, passage. And I thank you that uh, your Word is alive and it's active, and even today, there's a message for each and every heart that would be open to hearing what you would have to say. And Father, help me get out of the way as I am a man with weaknesses and you are a God with unlimited power. And so in this moment, would you speak loud and true through your word today, especially in this call that we as a church need to remember to love each other and to take care of each other and to unify under the gospel. Father, we just pray for this moment together. Pray that you'd bless uh, this time together and uh, the rest of this day that we have together. Thank you, Jesus, for your great sacrifice, your great love for us. It's your name we pray. Amen. Well, as we get started this morning, uh, we will be in the, in the book of Philippians. We're going to take a little bit 
of, uh, we'll go back and, and catch a few verses from the end of chapter 1 to kind of help us just set the stage for this place that we're at in chapter 2 in this beautiful passage uh, that we, just describes uh, the mindset and who Jesus truly is and what he was all about. And I remember even in my New Testament class at OBU long ago, uh, just when my professor would teach and, and we got to this passage of Scripture, you could just sense the difference as he would teach about it and, and share with us, you know, this is really what it's all about as we take a look at who Jesus was and, and what he was about while he was here on the earth. And so I still just remember those things. I don't even remember exactly what was taught that day. I just remember the difference as we got into this passage. And we really begin to study uh, Jesus inside of Philippians there. And so, and I picked this passage as well, not only because I'm writing a paper on it, that helps, that uh, I've been spending some time in this passage, uh, but I love the idea of what it talks about when Jesus was obedient to even death, death on a cross. And so, of course, as we celebrate Palm Sunday today, we know that Jesus was preparing uh, to go to the cross as we celebrate his death and resurrection next Sunday. And, and so today we're going to talk about that. We're going to dive into John a little bit as well in, in the farewell discourse. We're going to look a little bit about what Jesus taught as he prepared to go to the cross. And so today as we prepare to look at this uh, a little further in chapter 2, uh, I was reminded of what Eric shared, our pastor, last week as he finished up the book of Lamentations and jokingly said, anything I preach today was going to be great because of where we just came from, from the book of Lamentations. Uh, I really enjoyed our time in Lamentations. I thought our pastor did a great job uh, sharing that word with us, and yes, there were some tough times inside of that, but also very much uh, a hopeful message that he was able to declare as well. So as we get started this morning, uh, I just want to share one of his points from uh, last week was inside of that message, and it said that the greatest threats to faithfulness of God's people come not from outside, but from within. And so as we prepare this message this morning in Philippians, Paul was writing to that church, and he was encouraging them. And just like his heart for many of the churches that he was around and that he was a part of, uh, he had a, a very uh, concern for them as he saw uh, pressures on the outside coming to them. And it was also, as you, as you read and study about this church as well, there's concerns that there were things going on on the inside that Paul was concerned about as well. And, and so Paul, and if you know your history here, Paul was actually writing from prison. He was imprisoned as he wrote this book in Philippians. And his care wasn't about his release. He wasn't sharing with Philippians and that church there, hey, help me get out of prison. But his care was still for them and for them to do well. And so this morning, I, I want to keep those things in, in our mind as 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 we think about Paul and he was writing this passage to this group of people and his care and concern was still for them and, and was not even as we can see for himself but his prayers were for them his his heartbeat was for them and for them to stick together and, and stay unified for the gospel so this morning I want us to back up a little bit we're going to back up into uh, chapter one and so I want us to read some uh, down in here this morning so as we take a look at that it says this it says whatever we'll start in verse 27 in chapter one it says whatever happens Conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. And then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but you will be saved, and that by God. And he goes on to say, For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. And since you were going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. 
And so the first point this morning is we get through some of those verses, and there's a lot that we could stay and, and talk about in those verses, and we'll go back and pick up a few things. Uh, but the one thing I want us to really focus in on is the fact that Paul talked about striving together, striving together for the gospel. And I want to go back and just kind of look at those verses here, because um, I love what he says. He says, whatever happens. And so think about that. He, he's writing to that church, and before he even gets into that point about striving together for the gospel, he says, whatever happens, this is what we need to be about. And as I began to think about this message and think about what Paul was writing here, and he was writing to this church and trying to encourage them and, and help them along, and, and he says those words, whatever happens. And, and I think about us in, in our situation as Christians, as believers, and I think about the last couple of years, and the things that we've had to go through and face and come against uh, many things and many pressures and things on the outside that would come against us as believers and, and many ways that satan would try to get in and distract us and, and and come in and try to disunify us and break us apart and, and there's so many things that that he has used in these last couple of years and so paul would come back to us and he would say hey south tulsa whatever happens Remember, stick right here. And, and as I look around this room, I know all of us would have various opinions on things going on in the world today, things that have taken place over the last couple of years. But the most important thing is that we need to stay together and, and strive together for the gospel. And, and that's tough because I have found myself even becoming very passionate about opinions that I have and things going on in the world around me. I, I find myself at times, even with my own brothers and sisters, uh, having differing opinions on, on things going on, and so that gets tough, and that's tension that I don't enjoy. And, and sometimes we just need to come back to the simple fact that as I look at you and me, I think that most of us, hopefully in this room, can come back to the gospel. And no matter what's taking place around us, even though we may differ on some things out there, the most important thing Paul would say, no matter what happens, you and I, you and me, need to strive together and keep the gospel ahead of us. And we need to stay together. And so for some of this in, in, this, in this room, and I think that's been the hardest, especially as I talk to our own pastor, is when we see even our friends and, and friendships, even with our, our church, have, have become had had some problems just because of things that have been taking place because they forgot that we need to unify under the gospel. You and I may disagree on other things, and that's okay. That's going to happen. But man, the gospel needs to stay central at who we are. And, and what Paul talks about there, too, is no matter what happens, he also says, conduct yourselves. And, and friends, I, that starts with me. I want to make sure that no matter what's happening in the world around me, no matter what's taking place, I, I want to make sure that Starting with me, I'm conducting myself. Look at what he says there. In a manner that's worthy of the gospel of Christ. And I think that's important for all of us to just take a moment somewhere today, this week, and just ask, God, am I conducting myself in a way that's worthy of the gospel? Are there areas, things in my life, have I been treating people, especially within the church body, in a, in a manner that's worthy of you? And so those are just honest conversations to have with the Lord and allow him freedom to, to work with you and walk with you. And most importantly, that we can come together and strive as one for the gospel. So as we continue on, I want to tie this in, to, as I said earlier, just to some passages in John as well. It's, it's kind of neat how these work together. It wasn't really uh, 
I don't, we don't think that Paul was, was looking back into John, but, but it is God's word, and it's beautiful how it works together, and it's all even going back through the New and the Old Testament and how things just work together. And, and so as we think about working together and striving together and Paul desiring for the church to, to unify and strive together for the gospel of Jesus, the good news, we look at what Jesus says to his disciples. Uh, we consider these chapters in John 13 and 14 and 15 and on into 16, the, the farewell discourse where Jesus is preparing to go to the cross. He's preparing for what's ahead. And these are some of his last instructions to the disciples. And, and so he could have talked with them about anything. And, and I love what he talks about in John chapter 13. And he says simply, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And the beautiful thing about this in John 13, if you read a few verses back, Jesus had just washed the disciples' feet. And, you know, I, I can't think of, I wash my own feet. I don't even like to do that. So I can't imagine Jesus washing feet. And, and I just tried to imagine, what would that look like if I saw someone in a, a, a high position washing someone else's feet? What would I think? What would I feel in that moment? Especially if someone, you know, like a high-ranking official, a president, what if we saw him washing somebody's feet? And what would that just look like and, and feel like to me? But that was Jesus. And, and as you can imagine, in that scene, the disciples are just kind of burdened by the fact that he is actually doing this. And Peter just saying, well, not just my feet, but all of me, Lord. I'm a mess. I, I need to be clean. And there's just concern over that. But this all ties back in very well to who Jesus is and what we see as Paul shares in Philippians 2. And so rem remembering to strive together for the gospel, that's also a commandment that Jesus has given us to love one another and, and so that the world would know and see that we are his disciples, that we belong to Jesus. Uh, friends, when we are not unified and we are bickering and arguing and, and fighting with one another, especially inside the church, uh, an outside world doesn't look in and go, hey, I want to be a part of that. Let me in. I want to come in there and just stir it up as well. No, usually I like, if you're like me, I, I'm not a real confrontational person. I, I like things to, you know, stay happy and, and have a good time, and, and I'm not someone that likes to get into arguments. I, I, I find that tension to be very uh, disheartening, and I'm not sure. I get real nervous, and I, I feel so flustered. Uh, I would rather, you know, just be at peace with one another. Now, of course, there are times when you need to confront and, and do things. I find that to be very minimal. Uh, some people just seem like they are just in a confront mode, and they just want to do that all the time. Uh, that's definitely not my heart. But most importantly, uh, as we love one another and as we unify under the gospel, the world will see that. And, and that's attractive. A, a loving family is attractive. And, and so that's the beauty of us working together, striving together for the gospel, is knowing that there's a world outside going, I want to be a part of that. I want to know what's going on with those people. Why are those people loving each other? Don't they know they should be fighting? We live in this world that's constantly in tension, constantly in this place of tension. But something different is going on with that group over there. And it'll cause a lost world to get curious about what's taking place with you and I. Because it's not natural to love one another. It's very natural to love ourselves. And so even reading and studying, uh, it, there's an intentionality that needs to take place to, to, to love each other and to put others, as we will talk about here in just a moment, uh, ahead of each other. So we'll continue on down into, into chapter 2 as we prepare for that passage in verse 5. But I love what he says here. He goes on in chapter 2, back into Philippians. He says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, 
If any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete. Pay attention to that little phrasing. We're going to see that a couple of more times. But first, we're seeing it with Paul saying, make my joy complete. Look at how that would complete Paul's joy. By being like-minded and having the same love and being one in spirit and one in mind. And he goes on to say, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. And as I read words like that, I'm thinking, Paul, wow, ouch, that's, that's hard, Paul. That's not easy to read those words, to do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. And look at that, rather, humbling ourselves and, and looking around this room, I want to value you all above me. And I don't want to look to my interests, but each of you to the interests of others. There's no better place for me to learn that than in a family with five kids, because uh, quickly uh, their values and their well-being comes way ahead of me. And I found my wife and I are constantly striving to take care of, of that household. And we jokingly say, if we ever say we're busy, it's not because we're hanging out with people and doing all kinds of things outside of our home. We are just busy and, and doing our best to make sure laundry is done and to make sure that we've got meals on the table and things are kept clean and my wife homeschools i mean it's just yeah we're busy inside that house there's nights where it's like i don't sit down till like nine at night i've been home for hours but it's a beautiful thing when i, I look at my kids and it's like i love them and i love my family and, and it starts there in my home i want to be someone that that puts their needs above my own and, and their interests above above my own and do anything and everything I can that they can look back and say, I'm, I'm glad I had a house to grow up in that was like that. At least that's my hope uh, for them. And so our second there, again, is just simply value others above yourself. And as I mentioned earlier, that is not a natural thing. That is something, as we'll talk about, and we'll talk about how to do that, but re remembering that naturally uh, we want to take care of ourselves. Naturally, we are people who are created to, you know, just... Uh, our own uh, innate desire to take care of ourselves is just there. And so to think about how to put someone else above our, it, it takes that relationship with Christ for me to truly love you all and, and to, to be there for you all like I need to, or to take care of my family uh, the way that God's called me to take care of them. It, it begins with my relationship with Christ. We'll dive a little more into that here in just a moment. And so as we think about valuing ourselves, uh, it, it reminded me, as, as I talked about uh, in that passage, uh, Paul said something interesting. He said, make my joy complete. And so he was writing to this church, and I thought it interesting that Paul would say, to make my joy complete is you all loving each other and taking care of one another. You know, Paul didn't say, hey, make my joy complete, get me out of prison. Paul didn't say, make my joy complete and, and get as many followers and people you can. Build that church up, make it amazing. He didn't say, make my joy complete and make me known. Don't forget to mention me and my name. Paul just simply said, look, make my joy complete. Love each other, take care of each other, unify together. And it reminded me of John the Baptist. And I mentioned this passage as well, because this is a passage our pastor really likes. And I've known Eric for many years, going all the way back to like fourth grade. And we've got some fun stories. I think we made like milkshakes in fifth grade for a class project. And we were like the heroes of that fifth grade class that day. So Eric and I go way back, and I know many things about Eric, and I do know when he says this passage in John is one of his favorites, I've, I've heard that over the years. 
So it's not just something he says, but it's something he really, truly is passionate about. And if you know Eric, this is something of just who he is about Jesus. And so as I think about valuing others, I think about John the Baptist in this moment. It says in verse 26, it says, They came to John, his followers. They said to him, Rabbi, you know that man that was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one that you testified about? Look, he's baptizing, and everyone is going to him. And so John the Baptist, in this moment, think about that. That would be kind of disheartening and discouraging if your followers and your people kind of came back to you and said, hey, all of the people that used to be with us, remember we had this big gathering and this big show that we were going around, we were baptizing people. You kept saying, you know, prepare the way of the Lord. And but now they're going to him, that guy you were talking about. And talking about someone that valued others above himself, especially Jesus. I love what John's response is. He said, A person can receive only what is given to them from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Messiah, but am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. And that joy is mine and is now complete. He must become greater, and I must become less. And as I read this passage in Philippians, I'm recognizing a great decreasing of me that needs to take place. Me needs to just shrink down into the shadows somewhere. And I need to value Christ above everything. I need to value you all above me. And I need to think about what John says there. Here it is again. That joy of Jesus being here, that joy of seeing people go and follow him, that joy is now mine, and it's complete. You see, you need to understand something. When we talk about John, John would tell you, look, my joy was not built up in me and the following that I had. My joy was not in building up a name or a reputation. Friends, let me tell you, John would tell you this morning, his joy was in seeing Jesus magnified, lifted high, and people following after him. That was his joy. And that speaks indirectly or against just even what our own society would tell us. Because our society says you need to take care of yourself, maximize your good, do things to take care of you. And, and as you read the Bible, you just you get a sense that that's not the way it is with Christ. Because Christ would say something different. He would say, maximize Jesus, lift up Jesus, lift up others, minimize self, and follow me. And we see that here. John saying, my joy is now complete because Jesus is taking off. And if all the rest of you need to go with him, go. Because he's got to become greater. I've got to become less. See, John had that. He valued others above himself. And especially when it came to the mission of Jesus. That's what he was about. So now as we've kind of prepared ourselves, we get into this moment here with this passage that, that Philip read. And so Paul goes on as he's talking about the, the church and, and unifying and coming together for the gospel and, and standing together under that umbrella. We see what he writes here. He says, in your relationships with one another, you and me, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. We will get to that in just a moment, if that sounds overwhelming, because I know it did for me as I studied this passage. How am I going to do that? But he then goes on to describe beautifully this mindset of Christ Jesus, where he says in verse 6, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. There's a whole 
slew of articles you can read about what it means here and also in verse 7 where, where it says rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death even death on a cross he says therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Beautiful words inside of there describing Jesus and what he was like. And so the third point, our last point this morning, that in our relationships with one another, we need to have the mindset of Christ. And, and put simply, as I, I mentioned, I was like, well, how do we have the mindset of Christ? Because as I read those words, and, and I think about that teaching from Paul, that can be very difficult as I begin to try to think about how do I do that? How do I truly follow after Christ the way that I need to? How, how do I truly serve you all and love you all and, and above myself and, and value you all above me? How do I do that? Because that sounds difficult. And so as we begin to look at Jesus, he, he simply kind of laid it out there. First of all, serve others. That was in that passage we just read. And as I mentioned earlier in John chapter 13, where we saw Jesus washing the disciples' feet, and if we just walked through the Gospels together, you would clearly see what kind of servant Jesus was to men and women and children as he healed them, as he worked with them, as he listened to them, as he questioned them, as he taught them. Jesus was someone that was here to serve. I mean, he came by way of a manger and not of a palace. And so Jesus came to this earth humbly. And so Jesus was someone that served. And so we see that. And we also see that he humbled himself in obedience to God. And that's a tough one because we know that Jesus humbled himself, and Paul describes it in such a way that he humbled himself in such a way that it was, he was obedient to death. And not just any death, but death on a cross. And we don't have to discuss that. We've probably heard that quite a bit. We can talk a little more. We know that the cross was not some kind of death that just anybody could handle. Not even that Jesus handled it well. He, he died. But Think about what the cross really meant. What kind of brutal torture and horrible situation Jesus ended up finding himself in. And the Bible tells us that he was obedient to what God wanted, even to death on a cross. And so at times, I think about a, a few things as I think about, well, okay, so if I want to have the mindset of Christ, I know I need to serve others. And I also need to know that I need to humble myself to God's plan. And friends, as I look at those things, sometimes God's plan's tough. And so sometimes God's plan will have you maybe taking on a, a, a new career path. Maybe God's plan may have you moving. Maybe God's plan is simply reminding you that maybe you have a friend or a coworker who needs to be reminded of God's love. Because even that sometimes is scary, just to share our faith or share our hope that we have. But I want you to know that that's what Jesus did. He, he humbled himself to the will of God. And so for you all this morning, that's a place to be as well. Not only serving others, but, but just bringing yourself humbly before God to say, God, am I living this life out the way that you would have me live it? Is there any hard things that you've called me to that maybe I've ignored? Are, are there things that you've asked me to do that maybe for years I've just tried to get away from them? I mean, great, now Zach's talking about that again. But maybe even here today, are you someone that God's wanting to remind you there's, there's a hard thing that maybe he's asked asked of you and the beautiful thing that you'll see is you don't want to be like jonah and running from those things 
But the beauty of submitting to, to God and watching his plan unfold in your life is wonderful. Even though at times, yes, it can be very hard. And as a minister and as a leader, one of my greatest joys is watching God's plan unfold in some of you all. And, and at times, sometimes that takes you away from us as God calls you out and does things with you and with your lives and, and you may move or, or take on different paths. And, but especially as a youth pastor, when I was a youth pastor down in Texas, I loved watching God at work in our students. I love watching God at work in our students now as well. Uh, but it was always just a joy to see them and to use them and utilize them and see their gifts and abilities and see what God was doing in them. Uh, that's one of our joys as leaders to use some of you all to, to help with our times of worship, reading scripture, praying with us, uh, showing your, your gifts and, and talents for the Lord. And, and so humbling ourselves to God's plan, whatever that may be. And sometimes, yes, it, it will call us uh, pretty much to a death to ourselves as we live out his plan here on the earth. And so now we kind of get into, I want to just kind of spend some time in our last few moments here thinking about these words from Jesus as Jesus kind of begins to bring the farewell discourse to an end in John uh, chapter 15 as he's preparing to go to the cross. Uh, he, he shares once again that same kind of sentiment of loving one another. And, and I think his words really help us to understand how I can truly carry out what he would have me do as I love one another, as I humble myself to his plan and his ways. And he said these words to his disciples in John 15. It says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. And if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. There's that phrase again. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. And so on that time when he's teaching his disciples, sharing with his disciples, he's looking at them sometimes for the last time physically here on the earth, and he's looking at them and he's saying, as the Father has loved me, I have loved you. And so here's a key right here. If you want to love one another, if you want to humble yourselves before God, then the most important thing that you can do here in these moments, reading these words, is remain in Christ. And it seems as we read some of these things, it seems like as Christians, as believers, some of us believers for many years, I'll be honest, sometimes that's still hard, isn't it? There's so many things that can come and get in the way of me and my relationship with Christ. And not all of them are bad distractions. Not all of them are bad things that I can get caught up in. But, but just in the world that we live in, there's just so much out there that, that can come in and slowly cause me to drift apart from Christ. And, and I think it's important that we think of Jesus' words when he would look at his disciples and say, if anyone wants to follow me, he must take up his cross daily and follow me. And what a beautiful reminder that is daily for me to wake up and once again say, yes, I am a follower of Christ, and today I will serve others. Today I will humble myself before a holy God and his plan. And today, once again, God, my life is yours. It's in your hands. What do you want to do with me? And so that's a daily relationship. And, and spending, you see the importance of spending time daily with God uh, in his word, uh, in, in prayer, and in the fellowship with believers each week. Those are ways that we can remain in Christ. And friends, the reality is I will never love you the way that I need to love you if I'm not sticking close to the Savior. I will never be able to humble myself before God and do the things that he would call me out to do if I'm not sticking close to, them, close to him. 
And then once again in verse 11, we see Jesus with that same kind of sentiment that we've had earlier. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. I love it. We've had these instances of what completes these people. What makes their joy and their purpose and their true fulfillment. We think about Paul. Paul said, I am complete when I see you loving each other, taking care of one another, and and that the body of Christ is secure and and taken care of, and there's nothing that can come against you when you guys are loving one another. It just reminds me also just of a a marriage picture. I I think of my wife and I, uh, when we are strong and unified, we are going on 18 years of marriage this year, and, and so just like any marriage having ups and downs, but for the most part, we are unified and we are strong together. And I feel like when my wife and I are together and on the same page and we are just happy and taking care of each other, it doesn't feel like there's anything that could get in between us because we are unified and together. And friends, but if we argued all the time, if we didn't see eye to eye, if we didn't put each other above the other, and our marriage was just kind of rocky, how easy it would be for things. I mean, there's already stressors and pressures on any marriage. But if you're not unified in that place together, then it'd be even easier for things to get in and just rip it apart. And Paul knows that. He knows even in the church, it can be a very fragile place because we have all our own opinions and and thoughts on things. And Paul would say, make my joy complete, stick together. When you're together and unified under the gospel, nothing else really matters because whatever comes, stay together for the gospel and keep progressing the gospel and and sharing the gospel and make that about who you are and that made paul's joy complete and just as we read john the baptist his joy was made complete in seeing jesus take off and seeing himself decreasing and seeing jesus increase that brought joy and fulfillment and purpose to his life and then we see jesus saying the thing same kind of things i want to put my joy in you and i want your joy to be complete when you remain in me and you love one another And so as we finish up our message this morning, I just want to encourage you in a couple of ways. Here in just a moment, we're going to have a time of invitation, uh, just a time for you all to respond. If you feel there's a way that you need to respond, we'll have ministers who can talk with you and pray for you. If there's anything specific you'd like to pray about this morning, uh, this is also just a safe place. If you'd like to come forward and just pray uh, here at the altar, here before uh, the Lord, uh, that's a place you can do that. But this morning, I want to just talk to a, a, there's really just a couple places you can find yourself. One is I would ask you a question. Has Jesus made you complete? Has Jesus fulfilled your life? What I'm beginning to see, especially in my generation and younger, uh, there's a great care and concern to do good and to take care of people and, and to try to serve the community. So there is kind of this outpouring of people trying to do the right thing. And what we'll find is that's great, and I love it. I, I want to see people being good stewards and being pe- good people in the community. Uh, but the problem you start having is they will not be complete. And, and it doesn't matter how much good you do in this world and, and how much you know, great things you do for people. If you do that apart from Christ, there's still always just going to be something missing. And you're never going to have that true fulfillment and true purpose if you're not living out your life in His will. And He's going to call you to do those things anyway. But they're just going to be kind of meaningless until you recognize, I need to attach the things I'm feeling called to, to the the realization there is a God that loves me and has sent Jesus for me. And so this morning, I would just ask that simple question. Has Jesus completed you? Has has he saved you? Has you helped, has he, have you called on him for salvation? 
And that'd be the most important thing that you would need to do today. If there's never been a time in your life where you've called on the name of the Lord to be saved and to walk with Him, and He, this morning, would like to come into your situation and fulfill you and give you purpose and meaning beyond uh, the things that you've already done here on this earth. I'm so thankful. That's what the Lord did for me at eight years old. He completed my story. I was missing some things. And so He can do the same for you today. He can fill you in on the things that you lack and wants to transform you and restore you and call you to his side. So maybe that's you today. And we'd love to talk with you more about what that means and how to follow Christ and how to take those first few steps of faith. And, and secondly, is just the rest of us. If you're someone that has made that decision to follow after God, then this morning my question to you all would just be, you know, how are you doing? How are you remaining in Christ? And, and I would encourage you as, as believers and, and brothers and sisters in Christ, take some time today or this week and, and truly ask some of those questions. God, are there areas in my life where I'm not humbled and I need to be humbled and I need to serve you and follow you? Are there, are there ways that I need to take care of you better? Uh, search me, know me. I love those thoughts from David in Psalm 139. And that would be my encouragement to you as believers. Has there been some drift in your life that maybe you need to take a look at? We had our family, uh, I took our, we rented a boat in uh, Table Rock Lake out in Branson. And when we were taking that big pontoon boat, and all my kids, that was fun. You know, it seemed kind of dangerous, too, at times. But we kept our life vests on, so we were doing good. But when we took that boat back, it was amazing to me that that boat did not want to stay close to the dock. That boat just wanted to drift. And it, didn't it took a few seconds for that boat to be way too far away. And so those guys, they were, they were like telling me how to try to get this boat just lined up just right. And I'm thinking, I don't do this every day. I'm going to do my best. And so finally we would get it lined up and they got in there and they tied all those ropes. And I just think that's kind of a beautiful picture or a bad picture of kind of how drift can truly work in our own lives. Slowly things can come in and we can find ourselves, wow, how did I get way over here when God's called me over here? And what I love about Christ is it doesn't, you're not looking back at him going, oh, I need to get over there. As soon as you open your mouth and say, Jesus, man, I need you. I am way too far over here. He runs to where you are to surround you, to love you, to forgive you, to pick you up and anchor you back to him where you need to be. So this morning, if there's places in your heart, you're saying, wow, God, I've just, I've drifted. There's been so much going on in the world around me. I've gotten so passionate about things that truly don't matter when compared with the gospel. And I'm sorry. And so as I look around this room, maybe we need to restore relationships that have been broken over these last couple of years. And would, God would call you back to love one another and to say those things, they just don't matter. However God may be dealing with you, that's my hope is that you would just take some time this week and, and see how he uh, would, would speak to you in your own heart, in your own life. Well, let's do this. Uh, let's stand together. I want to pray over us. And I'm going to ask that Brian and our worship team that they would begin to make their way forward. And we'll just have this time of invitation. We'll have ministers available to, to pray with you all. And I want to just uh, pray for you guys now, and if there's some movement we want to do, and then we'll just sing this last worship uh, hymn together. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for this morning. I thank you for your word. I thank you just spending some time in Philippians and the refreshing and encouragement that it has. Uh, sometimes just how simple it really is, and yet how hard we tend to make it. When you've truly called us to unify together for the gospel, You've called us to value others. And you've called us to have your mindset of, of service and humbleness before God. Father, forgive us 
in the ways that we have failed to make those the priorities of our heart and our lives and we've gotten maybe into some other things that aren't necessarily bad things they just don't matter as much as you Jesus if there's anyone in here that has never made just even those first steps of faith uh, to make you Lord I pray that you would call them out today that you want to complete their story you want to help them see uh, their need for you Jesus we love you we just ask that you would use this time to prepare our hearts in your name we pray. Amen.